So if Godzilla's going to a wedding, and... I don't like where this is going. <laughs> First, if Godzilla's going to a wedding, all the appetizers are gone. No, 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 stick with the joke, hold on. Including the people serving the appetizers. Yeah, but no, but hold on, this isn't about Godzilla demolishing all the canapes, alright? I'm going somewhere with this bit. <laughs> what the f*** is a canopy? <laughs> it's an hors d'oeuvre, Greg. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Continue. <laughs> If Godzilla's going to a wedding, and he's planning to bring a date, and then his date cancels on him, so he has to go by himself, does that make him Godzilla minus one? <laughs> I don't know what I expected. I, I don't know what I expected. I don't know what you expected either! I don't know why you thought this was gonna go anywhere other than a terrible joke! Uh, Welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody! Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I'm Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And, yeah, this is Under the Bridge, where we cover movie news, and sometimes comic news, and sometimes gaming news, and movie reviews, and we're gonna, we're gonna get in the news now. Yes, indeed. <laughs> something, something, breaking news theme song, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Uh, apparently it was already announced that Street Fighter Six and Spy Family Code White was gonna collab. I didn't know mm -hmm. until they released this animation of your forger and chun Li getting into a fight yeah they knew what they were doing they know exactly what they're doing everyone involved with this project knows what they're doing <laughs> and i don't blame them no not at all i i know it won't happen but i would kill so hard to have your added as a added as a playable character with street fighter 6 you're right it will never happen <laughs> maybe if it was mortal Kombat, but do you really want your in mortal Kombat? uh I mean, if I'm honest, it would get me to buy Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Yordle Kombat? <laughs> but the, oh my god. But then I... <laughs> I don't think that would happen, just because I don't think the author of the uh, Spy Philly probably, like, plan of... Oh, and here's your getting absolutely eviscerated. <laughs> or snapping a guy's neck with her legs. Uh, uh, ooh, ooh, you make that sound like a punishment. I mean, it's Mortal Kombat, so it's going to kill you. Fair. <laughs> Fatality indeed. Mm, but he but he went um, with a happy ending. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the pause was worth it. Yeah, no, this crossover is happening. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's in the form of collaboration items coming to Street Fighter Six on January 9th. Yeah, which I can only assume is like going to be mostly cosmetic things. Like, I haven't played Street Fighter Six yet, even though I own it. So I don't know how they handle cosmetics in the game, but I imagine it's things like, you know, like little decorations and stickers and stuff like that. A lot of people are pulling for a new outfit for Chun-Li to be added where she gets yours, like, assassin outfit, which I understand. But I personally, again, acknowledging it won't happen, I personally would much rather have yours just added to the game. <laughs> I don't think the internet's ready in either case for either of those mm. things. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're wrong there. <laughs> so anyways, I only brought that up because we both enjoy Spy Family. Because <laughs> I'm not much of a Street Fighter person, despite being the uh, unlimited video game stream squad Street Fighter 6 belt holder. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to keep riding that. I took one off of each of you. I'm going to keep riding it. He didn't take one off of each of us. And if you're curious about the context of this, visit Unlimited Video Games on Twitch. <laughs> I don't think that stream is still up. Don't they disappear after a while? Visit Unlimited Video Games on Twitch anyway. <laughs> yeah, do it anyway. It's fun. We stream yes. every Thursday. Indeed. Yeah. 
And then we also got the... This is more of an acknowledgement than anything else. We got the trailer, the reveal trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6 and confirmation that it'll be coming out in 2025. From what I saw, just as I did a quick look on the interwebs after the trailer came out, it looks like it will be launching on current-gen consoles only, and I assume PC. Oh, what? No Nintendo Switch? (laughs) (laughs) What a travesty. I would be genuinely, I would genuinely like love to see the game work on work on a Switch or whatever Nintendo's new, next generation console and ends up being. I mean, from the little bit I saw, it looks impressive. So it's one of those things where, so I actually did play Grand Theft Auto uh, Five, and I remember after I finished Five, I went back and rewatched the initial reveal trailer, and. I don't think the reveal trailer is gameplay. I'm pretty sure it's all, like, game engine recording. But a lot of the things in the trailer still do kind of carry over to the final game. So it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I'm curious to see how much of this translates in. If the previous game is anything to go by, the answer is a good bit. The character animations and how, like, the character models look in this trailer is actually pretty solid. They definitely look a lot more realistic than a lot of the character models in previous Grand Theft Autos, that's for sure, but 10 years of game development will do that. True. Very true. Yeah. And it looks like we're back in Vice City. Are we? Between the music and the vibe and all that, I'm pretty sure, because, like, this is all taking place in a reimagined Vice City, just like how GTA V took place in basically a reimagined or, or renewed version of Los Santos, which is a bigger version of San Andreas in GTA SA. All right. So, yeah, it looks cool. Looks fun, or at least looks interesting. A lot of bikinis and ass in this trailer, it has to be said. <laughs> it's GTA, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's one of those things where it's just like, man, they are they are really showing a lot of bikinis and ass in this trailer. I mean, granted, it takes place in Florida, so that's understandable. Like, yeah. I will say to a point where it's like, alright, at a certain point in the trailer, it's just like, this is, this is basically Florida Man the video game, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Mm. I haven't played a... I played, like, maybe five minutes of GTA in total, so I didn't watch the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) It looks impressive. It's... True. I've seen screen caps, is why I'm saying that. I'm not just... I'm not just blindly... Oh, okay. I have actually seen a little bit of it. I just didn't watch the whole trailer. Grand Theft Auto... For me, Grand Theft Auto is kind of like Call of Duty at this point, where it's like, I'm not... I don't consider myself a fan of it deeply, but I do, of course, follow what's what's going on with it, because it is, like, just a monumental thing within modern gaming, for better and, and for worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I got a weird comics update. Oh boy, those are the best kind of comics updates. Yeah, this is gonna get a little soap opera-y. <laughs> oh! Oh, like, that hasn't happened on this show before. <laughs> no, don't worry, though, it's not Spider-Man related, actually. Okay, good, thank Except Christ. Except for, it involves Nightcrawler, who's recently been running around in a Spider-Man costume, but... What? This is unrelated. Oh, Okay. So, where do I even start with this? So Nightcrawler has two moms now. Oh, oh, progressive. Yeah, because what happened... Okay, so, (laughs) as I understand it, the Mm -hmm. original idea was that his mom was Mystique. Okay. Well, the original idea, as presented in the comics, I should specify, this will get important, is that Mystique was his mom, and his dad was some demonic mutant named Azazel. Okay. And then Mystique ended up eventually being either revealed or... No, it was revealed, yeah. Revealed to be a lesbian who is in love with Irene Adler, also known as Destiny, who's a precog. And that's a whole thing. 
There's a whole there's a whole story there that I am not overly familiar with, but I do know that recently Krakoa didn't want to bring Destiny back from the dead, and Mystique ended up working against him to bring Destiny back anyway, and it turned into a thing. So there's a recent revelation in X-Men Blue Origins. It was revealed that Azazel is not Nightcrawler's dad. Mystique is. What? Well, Mystique can shapeshift. Uh, wait. <laughs> So, Mystique is both the mom and the dad. She is the... She, yeah. This this sounds stupid. I think she also might have used Azazel's genetic information to help out with it, which is part of why Kurt looks like a blue devil, but... Oh, okay. The funniest thing about this whole thing is you've got a bunch of people suddenly pretending to care about Azazel and declaring this a forced terrible retcon mm. which is like okay first of all nobody gives a flying fuck about azazel all right and i know this <laughs> because i will pour over all kinds of lame comic ass characters and i don't give a fuck about azazel right second the only reason the general public would care about azazel is because he was in x-men first class and he looked like a red nightcrawler so obviously people are going to suspect oh he's nightcrawler's dad isn't he and if that's the only thing people have going for him that makes the character interesting who cares <laughs> fair Third, this is the important part, this was actually the original plan. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris Claremont intended for Mystique to be Nightcrawler's dad and Destiny to be his mom from Go. Okay. But editorial didn't let it fly. Because <laughs> it was the 90s. Ah, uh, ah, uh, the 90s. I say, like, <laughs> this isn't a thing that still might not have flown in the 2020s. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Very unfortunately. But mm. such is life. Here's where we're at now. And I just thought it was really funny watching a bunch of people blow up pretending that this somehow lessens the impact of a character nobody gave a shit about to begin with. Mm. I, I assume it just seems like one of those things where it's like, all right, let's join the bandwagon of, well, is it a bandwagon of hate this time again? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how absolutely fitting that it's in, a, it's in an X-Men comic. Where their whole shtick mm. is they're different, <laughs> protecting a world that hates and fears them. I swear to God. <laughs> it is a little ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Sadly ironic. Yeah. I'm gonna move on to something else now. Oh boy. A Thanksgiving sequel has been confirmed. Okay. Which would have been much better news prior to the Spyglass Media upset with Scream. <sighs> but. I can only assume it's that's upset is still going on, isn't it? Uh, I've got a little bit of an update, but not a huge one. Okay. But, Eli Roth is currently working on developing a sequel. Sony plans on releasing it in 2025. Okay. So, Scream 7 is still on the books then? No, this is Thanksgiving 2. Oh, this is Thanksgiving 2. <laughs> I thought you were transitioning into something about Scream. <laughs> no, I'm still talking about Thanksgiving. Okay, 2025. That seems kind of short. But granted, this movie probably didn't have a lot of production or budget behind it, didn't it? You could... You you could bang out a sequel in two years. Hmm. I don't... Fair. It's not a Marvel movie, so I imagine it's not the most CGI heavy. Right. So if you've already got everybody signed up and all the scheduling done, it wouldn't be the most torturous thing in the world. Hmm. Mm, fair. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... I still haven't figured out if I'm not seeing anything Spyglass releases or if I'm just not seeing Scream 7. I mean, I figured at absolute minimum that you're not seeing Scream 7. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously I'm not seeing Scream 7 as things stand, but it's more a thing mm. of, like, do I do I just stop seeing things Spyglass releases 
to stick it to the big stuff shirts, or is that unnecessary and insulting to a bunch of people who were talking about movies that have nothing to do with Scream? And uh, that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. Hmm. Anyways, the Scream 7 update. We already knew Jenna Ortega was not returning for Scream 7, which apparently was known months earlier. Okay. However, per an article from The Hollywood Reporter, the actual reason she left wasn't scheduling conflict, it was a salary dispute. (laughs) Okay. That's about as Hollywood as it gets. (laughs) Having been paid the six figures for previous installments of Scream, she apparently was going for getting paid in the high sevens. So, you know, single-digit mil. Okay. And apparently Spyglass was not having it. Hmm. Which, eh? hold on a second, what, how much did Scream 7 make? Or Scream 6 make? Box office? 169 mil. Nice. That's, for Jenna Ortega, I don't think that's that <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, no. Especially when you already lost Neve Campbell over not wanting to pay her enough, and that's why she wasn't back for Scream 6 to begin with. Right. Do I have to break out pay your fucking actors again? <laughs> Is that what I have to do? I don't wanna. I mean, I feel like we should have already gotten past this. <laughs> yeah. On the flip side, I guess, inflating budgets are what makes it harder to keep the returns on movies actually churning out and being positive for the studio. But right. it's Jenna Ortega. Fucking do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. If she's asking for seven seven figures, that's at worst like nine million. Mm. I guess 169 mil. Right. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I'm not an accountant. <laughs> yeah, apparently Spyglass had Gary Barber's takeaway from Scream 6 actually doing about the best that the franchise has ever done without Neve Campbell mm-hmm. is that neither stars nor large salaries are essential, which... Ooh, I mean, so that's not technically incorrect? (laughs) I don't know about essential, but I think you're kind of neglecting the fact that Scream 6 had like a passing of the torch baton effect. Yeah. We cared about Sam and I don't remember Jenna Ortega's character's name. (laughs) Oh yeah, I actually don't remember a lot about Scream 6. (laughs) I remember more about Scream 6 than I remember about like 4 or 5. Because that right. was at the tail end of my rewatch, and, well, at that point, it was all starting to blend together. Right. Tara, that's it. <laughs> Took you long enough. Yeah, and I know it just makes my point sound very hypocritical that I can't remember the character's name, but you don't really have to remember the <laughs> name to connect to the story, you know? <laughs> Especially like, when it's a fucking oh. slasher, okay? Yeah, no, it's just like, oh, you're not dead? Alright, you, you've you already gained more than most other people in these movies. <laughs> I don't remember two of the killer's names, that doesn't mean shit. Right. Point is, there mm. is no point. There is no point. There is no point to this tomfoolery. Nah, I don't know. We'll see how this pans out, but, uh, yeah. Right. I don't have a good ending for this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna transfer <laughs> over to something else. Segway, like the scooter. Absolute lack of a segway. Yes, I mean, it's still better than George W. Bush falling off a Segway. Like, comment, subscribe. (laughs) For more quality content. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Man. This is one that just broke 
today, actually. Okay. Apparently, Adam McKay was working on a political satire called Average Height, Average Build for Netflix. Alrighty. But he's now shelved it, and... Really? Yeah, according to a spokesperson, with the climate emergency having escalated a great deal, Adam McKay has decided to make his next directorial project a climate-related one, so he will not be directing Average Height, Average Build. Which is a noble Mm. idea. Indeed. I respect it. I don't actually know if that's true because I haven't been keeping up on it because I'm depressed enough as it is. But, <laughs> right. if that's what you think is best, that you think is best. I do, however, want to lament the loss of this concept. Hmm. Because this film, Average Height, Average Build, according to this article that, that I'm reading from The Hollywood Reporter, right. the film was being described as part serial killer thriller, part comedy, that followed a hmm. killer who uses political lobbyists to change laws in order to make it easier for him to kill. Oh, that sounds... Am- <laughs> I don't want to make, you know, I don't feel like I don't want to say it sounds amazing because that sounds terrible, but that is a novel idea. Oh, (laughs) just wait till you hear who was attached. Oh, boy. I'm not seeing anything about who was going to be the killer, Mm -hmm. but Robert Pattinson and Amy Adams were attached to star as lobbyists. Oh, boy. And Robert Downey Jr., Forrest Whitaker, and Danielle Deadweiler were also set to be in this. Ooh, I could see them like I could see him casting Downey as the killer. I feel like I don't know. I feel like they'd probably be more political obvious. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Downey could be either a killer or or a lobbyist. Forrest Whitaker, I could see being just a lobbyist. Maybe Danielle Deadweiler was going to be the killer. Mm. Man, I now I want this. Yeah, right. <laughs> what a what a loss of a fucking concept. Yeah, I hope it's one of those things where it's like, it's not completely shelved, and it might be like, they might come back to it. Yeah, man, please come back to this. I need it. Yeah, this sounds great. <laughs> I need this concept with these people. You can't dangle that in front of me and then take it away. Y- yeah. It's impolite. <laughs> one might even say rude. It's a bit churlish. <laughs> That's a $5 word. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> That's a word even I don't use. <laughs> <laughs> In other updates on movie news, Mm -hmm. Will Smith has provided an update about I Am Legend 2. Christ, how long has that been in the works? A while. Or at the very least, it's definitely been a while since the original. Fair, as I say, like... Well, anyway, what did Will Smith say about I Am Legend 2? Well, he was attending an in-conversation event at the Red Sea International Film Festival in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Of course it's in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) And he said... I have a call with Michael B. Jordan tomorrow. We're really close. Script just came in. You have to be a real I Am Legend buff to know this, but in the first theatrical version, my character dies. But on the DVD, there was an alternate (laughs) version of the ending where my character lived. We're going with the mythology of the DVD version. I can't tell you anything more, but Michael B. Jordan is in. Mm. Which... Okay, then. Okay, great, great. So you're gonna... I guess, to be fair, it's been 17 years since the first I Am Legend, so maybe everybody forgot you died in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. God almighty, it's it has been 17. I think, I don't think I ever saw the movie in whole, like, as a whole, but I remember seeing bits and pieces of it, and it's like, oh, oh, he dies? Ah, okay, I guess I'm not missing anything major. <laughs> and it's, it feels like a weird idea to be like, yeah, we're gonna make a sequel based on the alternate DVD ending. 
I mean, obviously that works best for him because he gets to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get to come back. I get to make my residuals on the acting. <laughs> but what a what a concept. Yeah. It's not even a deleted scene. It's an alternate ending. Oh, okay. So it is like actually like like a completely alternate ending that they're deciding, okay, this one is the canon one. It's like, okay, so this one's canon, not the one that you actually showed people in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Why not go with that? I'm pretty sure the alternate ending is different from the original planned ending, which was closer mm-hmm. to the book. Because I Am Legend is... This is based a, on a book? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And the big twist in the book was obviously, you know, Earth being... The, the people are turning into these weird, like, I don't know, vampire zombie things? I forget. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith's character was really good at hunting them down and what have you. The big twist at the end of the book that didn't make it into the movie was him finding out that the creatures are all still sentient. Oh. And in fact, he's their boogeyman. I Am Legend refers to him. Oh. It's how they see him. Okay. Okay. And I do not remember if the alternate DVD version was that or if it's just he managed to live. But... (laughs) I, I wouldn't be surprised if it just ends up being a thing where it's like, oh, I, he managed to live. Yeah. So that's an interesting tidbit of something. Right. No clue how that's going to pan out. <laughs> but you know who is apparently not getting a resurrection? Hmm. Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. No shit? Well, <laughs> back when Variety was doing that whole thing about... Uh, Nia DaCosta was not involved in post-production on the Marvels, and it's, yeah, she was, it was remote, and it was just a stupid, Marvel is doomed, they don't know what to do about Kang, Mm. all they have to do is recast, it's easy. Right. So, around that time, they were also like, yeah, Marvel's so desperate, they actually have been talking to the original six Avengers to get them all to come back. Chris Evans already debunked that, saying, I I haven't heard anything. Which he could be mm. lying, to be fair. Right. You can't you can't trust anything actors say about what they're going to do or not do, because there's NDAs, and they don't want to like, give the game away, and sometimes it's about negotiating for a better paycheck. Yeah, if there's anyone who doesn't want to blow up their own spot, it's definitely the people that are, like, central to the project even happening. Right. And, like, you remember the whole bit of Andrew Garfield swearing up and down he wasn't in Spider-Man No Way Home, and look how that turned out. Yeah, exactly. He was, in fact, the werewolf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that was the thing. In one of the interviews, he's like, I feel like, I, I feel like I'm playing a game of werewolf, and I keep trying to tell people I'm, I'm not the werewolf, and they keep going, yeah, you are. <laughs> but he was the werewolf. <laughs> he was the werewolf by night, even. It's been a couple weeks. Okay. I needed to make a reference, okay? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, Chris Evans already shot this idea in the foot, saying he hasn't heard anything. And mm-hmm. talking with Vanity Fair... Feige said about Tony Stark's, you know, death in Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. we are going to keep that moment and not touch that moment again. We all worked very hard good. for many years to get to that, and we would never want to magically undo it in any way. Yeah, good. As it should be. Keep it that way. It's fine. It's definitive. It's okay. Now, I certainly hope he's just straightforwardly telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's a chance that he's not? I think there's some loopholes in that. Hmm. With the whole concept of the multiverse saga, it's very easy to not undo that Tony Stark sacrifice, but still have Robert Downey Jr. come back. Oh, that's a... mm, I don't like the idea of that. I don't like it either. I hope that's not (laughs) what they're doing. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen either. But you gotta imagine, what what would make for a bigger thing than the portal scene in Avengers Endgame? Oh, the portal scene in Avengers Endgame... Plus Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, plus Hugh Jackman Wolverine, 
plus Robert Downey Jr. in an Iron Man suit, but you never actually see him, you just hear his voice. Maybe you get, like, one heads-up mm. display shot where he's digitally de-aged. I don't like the idea. But I can see them doing it. You can see where the executives are like, money. Yeah, it's like, see where the executives are like, fan service, and it's like... Uh, but I feel it. Hmm. Oh, they don't give a fuck about fan service beyond that it drives the conversation and therefore the box office. True. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, on one hand, yeah, I can see the executives being going money, but I, at the same time, I hope there's at least one executive there who's also going, like, yeah, but this could actually backfire on us pretty bad because if we do that, then people will actually go, oh god, they've actually run out of ideas. <laughs> You see, you say that, and yet I'll guarantee there's going to be one executive in the room who pipes up with, but will have their money. Mm, yeah, for, just for this moment, and then they'll never come back. <laughs> I hope, like I said, I hope this is not the case, but I cannot guarantee it, and I have a sneaking suspicion that, like, I, <laughs> I, I, I very much am hoping that Feige is just being straightforward here, and yeah, they're just, they're not doing it. They're not right. touching Iron Heart or Iron Man. They'll have successors, like, you know... War Machine for however long, Don Cheadle's still in this, Iron Heart, maybe do an Iron Lad eventually, I don't know, mm. or maybe have Morgan Stark become Iron Lass, whatever you want to do. Right. But it's very hard to get away from that sneaking suspicion, because this next update is going to be stupid statements from CEOs. <laughs> Alright, what, what tomfoolery do we have this time? Well, we're going to start with the old Zazzle Dazzle, David Zaslov. Oh, God, what, is he, what did the stupid dipshit say? <laughs> I mean, come on! No, I know! It's just come on, hearing he's, you he's say that. <laughs> he's earned that at this point. I'm usually the one who's saying the mean shit. You're usually the one, like, <laughs> suing for peace or at least civility. <laughs> so hearing you no, call him a dipshit... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's, I mean, it's the thing of, I have been doing this enough with you, and hearing enough about the stupid shit that comes out of this man's mouth, where it's like, at this point, my brain is like, alright, normally we do super peace, but this time we can't even be fucking bothered. <laughs> so, he was talking with Andrew Ross Sorkin during a Q&A at the New York Times Dealbook Conference, and was mm -hmm. asked about stuff like, you know, slashing all their content and staff. Okay. <laughs> he said, We're at a very hard time that requires hard decisions, and many of them are unpopular. We said, No sacred cows. If we were going to start today, what content do we need? What content's going to help us? How many people do we need? What should HBO look like? What should Warner Brothers look like? And then. This man has no idea what the fuck he's doing. No, not a, <laughs> not a single one. Talking about mm. shelving basically finished movies, he said, Okay. The accounting piece is really a misnomer. If we produce a show, a $100 million movie, what? we've spent the $100 million, and if we don't release it, it's gone. We don't have any real benefit from it. The question is, should we take certain of these movies and open them in the theater and spend another 30 or $40 million to promote them? And Warner Brothers team and HBO made a number of decisions. They were hard, but when I look at the health of our company today... We needed to make those decisions, and it took real courage. <sighs> this fucker is actually ridiculously incompetent. What a fucker! <laughs> what an absolute, like... I'm running out of things to call him! How, how is their stock looking right now? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's really come back up much. Hold on a second. Yeah, hold on, let's see. Warner Brothers Discovery stock price. Alright, it's... 
currently, I don't know what it was before, but it is currently $11 per share versus last year when it was, okay, a peak at $15, $16 a share. And five years ago, it was 25 <laughs> Oh, boy. So, yeah, that's... It's not as low as it's been. I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, no. <laughs> but even Holy in shit, April, it was still just... at, like, 15 Mm-hmm. You fucking serious, bruh? Yeah, that is... This man is actively trying to burn this company down to the ground, isn't he? Yeah, probably. He also completely sidestepped. Mm. Oh, did he? Yeah, he, he was asked about... You know, he was asked about, when talked about strikes, he was asked about, you know, how much he gets paid. Specifically, mm-hmm. Sorkin asked, the writers, the actors were saying, look at this guy, he's getting paid tens of millions of dollars a year, and we're over here. How do you deal with that personally, and how do you think about that? And all he said was, mm-hmm. my focus was, we need to settle this strike, this is really hurting people. Every day that we were on strike, that people weren't working was a bad day. Okay, but what about the fact that you again? made $240 million in 2021? Yeah. Hold on. Okay, he might be too old for it, but I could see this dude running for Congress after <laughs> after being done with Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, with talk like that, don't even put, don't even speak that evil. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I mean, I don't want it to happen. I'm just saying... Greg, he's going to write our state off for tax benefits. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to end up stapled on to fucking Russia. Mm. Do you want to have to deal with the snow? I don't. Well, no. I'm not saying him being president. I'm saying him running for Congress. Same difference. <laughs> Fair. Uh, he'll make it happen. What a mm. what an absolute... I, I, I know Ding Dong doesn't really cover it, but it's becoming <laughs> one of my favorite things to call this man. Yeah. Once again, it's it's hard. It is very hard to, like, just think of other ways to insult this man for his own tomfoolery. Yeah, we decided this Looney Tunes movie isn't gonna fucking make us money. This thing that people have already worked on and already been paid for, let's just fucking, let's not even try. Let's just fucking write it off. Mm. Dipshit. <laughs> Things aren't looking that great on the Disney side of the equation either, though. Alright, what stupid shit did, um, what's his name again? Oh, Bob the Blob Iger. Bob Iger, what did, what <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did stupid shit did Bob Iger say? <laughs> so, he was he, he was talking about the Marvels, in this case, and how their box office isn't doing great. Oh, God. And what he said was, the Marvels was shot during COVID. There wasn't as much supervision on the set, so to speak, where we have executives that are really looking over what's being done day after day after day. You mm. really think executive supervision was going to help that fucking movie? <laughs> The movie's fine, first of all. Yeah. You know what would have helped? Fucking mm. promotion. Yeah, marketing. Marketing would have helped. Actual marketing. What would have helped was not churning out a bunch of Disney Plus content and making people think that... Because there was that perception that, oh, if we haven't watched WandaVision or Miss Marvel, and Miss Marvel didn't have a lot of views, a huge viewer base to begin with. I mean, it still did fine, but as far as the Disney Plus series mm-hmm. for Marvel goes, it was kind of low. People... Yeah. We're going in with the idea that they had to watch these series to understand it. And you don't. But you know what would have helped clear that up? Fucking promotion. Yeah, fucking marketing. Like, even though you got kind of screwed over on time by the by the writer and actor strike. Which you helped cause! I, was, I mean, I was trying to whisper it, but it's like, which you were partially responsible for. Sorry, I shouldn't have destroyed the joke. <laughs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> but it's one of the things, like, alright, the actor strike is over. You know what you do? 
You have the actress playing Kamala Khan, who loves the fuck out of everything going on with this. Just go around and tell people how awesome it is. <laughs> oh, they did, but by that point, the damage was done. Because it ended, what was it, two days before the movie came out? Or like the day of, oh, or right. something? Yeah, it was too late by that point. Yeah, fair. And I'm not saying having the actors on promotion would have saved the movie, because it clearly wouldn't have. Not based on the results we're seeing. Mm. But it definitely could right. have mitigated the damage. <laughs> fair. And the rest of the shit he said is mostly shit that we already knew. Did he say that with the word shit in it, too? No. He said, okay. the experience of accessing <laughs> films and watching them in the home is better than it ever was, and it's a bargain when you think about it. Streaming Disney Plus you can get for $7 a month. I'm pretty sure it's gone higher than that. That's yeah. a lot cheaper than taking your whole family to a film. So I think the bar is now raised in terms of quality about what gets people out of their homes into movie theaters. Yeah, also, bigger release windows would help. Yeah, as I say, also, way to kneecap your theater production to portion of your whole set. And I know it's easy to look back in hindsight and say that, because during... You know, during 2020 and 2021, there was a genuine concern about our movie theaters going to live. I mean, there's still that concern, but it was even bigger oh, back yeah. then. And studios still needed to make some money to keep the lights on, so I understand the concept. Mm -hmm. But boy, howdy, y'all really went fucking overboard. Yeah, I know. And now you kind of kneecap shit. Yeah, like you kneecap shit with statements like that. It's just like, well, it's a it's a great idea for families, and it's like... It's just, like, for one fee, the entire family can watch movies. Like, why are you fucking over your people that actually help these movies get to theaters? Right? <laughs> and then he said one that, I see what he's going for, but also fuck you. Mm. Because he then said, entertain first, not messages. And added that positive messages for the world sometimes overwhelm storytelling. It's like... No. <laughs> N no, I get not, it. Not at all. I get where he's. I, I get. I. I. I fucking get mm. the 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 concept. But the concept reminds me of a thing that Michael Eisner once said when he was CEO of Disney. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what he said was, and bear in mind, he, he he was um he was CEO in like the eighties until I forget when. But so he oversaw some really good, some some bad Disney movies, yeah. but also some good ones. Right. When was he? I mean, he's also, you know, he's also, you know, a fucking rich asshole bastard, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, so the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, 1984 to 2005. So, you know, mm. he was he was overseeing the Disney Renaissance era. Right. Which makes it even sadder that uh, one thing he said, famously, was, We have no obligation to make art. We have no obligation to make history. We have no obligation to make a statement. But to make money, it is often important to make history, to make art, or to make some significant statement. We must always make entertaining movies, and if we make entertaining movies, at times, we will reliably make history, art, a statement, or all three. True. Which is a more pragmatic, slightly less assholish way of saying what Iger said. It's still assholish. Yeah. It's still assholish, but it's also, I want to say, more correct. <laughs> yeah, because, like, a lot of the best movies have really resonant messages. Case in point... Look at Barbie, highest grossing movie of the year. No fucking message there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely nothing in that movie that applies to real life. <laughs> God fucking damn it. All right, and who are you here to see today? My gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> My gynecologist fades to pink. <laughs> Anyway, CEOs are stupid is my point. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I... I feel like the problem is, once you're handling a certain amount of money, there's a point where you become completely detached from fucking reality. Oh, yeah. Like, literally all you can see 
are just numbers on a chart, and you're just taking a fucking gamble. Y- yeah, it's like, all you see are the dollar bills, and it's like, how many dollar bills can I make sure I don't lose today? Yeah. But, damn. Mm. Let's go to trailer time. Let's do trailer time. It's trailer time again! We've got movie previews to watch! It's trailer time again! We got a uh, first trailer for Furiosa, a Mad Max saga, I guess it's called. I mean, I'm definitely into it. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't realize it was Chris Hemsworth until, like, it actually said Chris Hemsworth's like, oh shit, and then I looked and I was like, oh god, they got Fat Thor again. This is the uh, <laughs> most excited I've been for Chris Hemsworth in probably anything. Right. And I say that, also I have to put a big giant asterisk, I have never seen a single Mad Max. Oh, did you not see Fury Road? I didn't, it was one of those ones where I, I, I missed the initial wave, and it was one of those ones where... You know how everybody tells you that a thing is great and you need to see it and it just makes you want to see it less? Oh, we need to fix that. Yeah, though. I know we need to fix it. <laughs> and I'm definitely fixing it now because I want to see this because Chris Hemsworth and Elijah Taylor Joy. Right. But yeah, I, I, I had not seen any of these. And this looks delightful. No, it does look delightful. It, well, in that case, I guess it kind of, not sure how much it ruins it, but there are definitely a few Easter eggs in this trailer that link it to Fury Road. As far as, like, people presented and characters and all that, so... I mean, it's a prequel, right? It is a prequel, yes. Okay. So, you know what's funny about Mad Max? Mad Max is the only series I can... Is the, is one of the very few, like, film series I've um, interacted with where it, can, where it can have, like, really janky, like, shot composition in terms of, like, the speed at which things happen and get away with it just because the movie's aesthetic is just pure, unadulterated, apocalyptic chaos. Alright. So, like, in particular the bit where she's backing out of, like, an encampment, and then you just see the, um, gate just crush the couple cars that were chasing, um, um, Furiosa. The way that it was all kind of, like, the the best way I can describe it as is, as is, like, inconsistent frame rate, that's more or less the, the shot style for the Mad Max movies, or at the very least for Fury Road. Alright. So, I was just like, yep, yep, it's a Mad Max loop movie, alright. <laughs> the janky as fuck speed of the shot is proof of that. <laughs> you know what's a really sad realization? Mm. The most exposure I've ever had to, like, Mad Max is the Wiley e. Coyote segment in Space Jam 2. <laughs> that's, oh, I gotta oh, fix that sad. immediately. Yeah, no, we we absolutely need it. We need to watch Fury Road for a movie night or something. Yeah, but after the holidays. True. I'm pretty sure all of our movie nights are taken by now. Until yeah, then. probably. So, no, this looks interesting. I like the action a lot. It looks... It looks somewhere between... I don't know where one end of the spectrum is, but the other end of the spectrum is Borderlands. Mm, yeah, it's, um... Well, the general, like, world aesthetic is definitely very Borderlands with... It being all like arid deserts and whatnot, and kind of the style of the characters and all that. But it seems it's still ridiculous, but it's less like sci- high sci-fi ridiculous, you know? Yeah, no, it's still. I mean, it's sci-fi. I would call it. I would still call it sci-fi, but it's a lot more grounded of a sci-fi than anything that happens in Borderlands for sure. I don't expect to see Claptrap wheeling in, going, "Hello, meatbags." <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess I'm binging the Mad Max films before I, before this comes out in May. I mean, if you see the old school Mad Max movies, let me know, because I will join for those. Because I haven't seen any of the 
I haven't seen the first three. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. We also finally got another trailer for Night Swim. Yeah, which adds a lot more context. Too much context, honestly. Yeah, yeah, just just a tad. Movie still looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I'll be honest, like, it's funny, I spent a good chunk of the trailer going, this isn't really giving me much that I didn't already know or expect about the movie, but it's at least giving me a much better idea of the vibe, because it's not like doing a bait-and-switch of presenting itself as a wholesome family movie and then trying to be a horror movie afterward at the very end. Yeah, it's not turning going from U-Haul to commercial to slasher. And then when she goes, and there's something wrong with my husband, and it's clear he's possessed by whatever this entity is, that's when I thought, and now you've gone a bridge too far. Oh, the old World War II movie? No. <laughs> not the Sorry. old World War II movie. No, that was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh my god. I aim to please. <laughs> Jesus. No, that was the point where I was like, okay, now you've given a little too much about what's happening in this movie away. I didn't need to know that. Right. And I feel like you could have just shortened the trailer and not had to have given it away. Right, no, 100%. You know what's funny is that you're, you, we're going to, of course, get into it more, but I, I was I went to see um, some buddies at a different game store, and we were talking about Godzilla Minus One, amongst other things, and one of the guys was like, oh, yeah, I only saw like really one trailer for it, and I still went to see it, and I was like, okay... Speaking from experience, for watching for a lot of trailers, keep it that way. You have no idea how many times it feels like the people who make these trailers are just tripping over themselves to spoil the movie for the for the people who are at least interested in it. <laughs> oh god, Deadpool 3 is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. I do like the design of the ghosts, though. Like, some, some of those some of those drowned-looking corpses, whatever they are, is Revenants, I don't know. Yeah, 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 no, it looks, it looks like genuinely, a, a little, genuinely terrifying, but not so ridiculous that it circles back into cartoonish and takes away how scary it is. Nah, it's a little bit cartoonish, but not, I think it's only because we're only getting little bits and pieces. Yeah, it's, it's not like suspension of disbelief levels of cartoonish. Nah, 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 The whole premise, as you said, though, is still fucking stupid. Yeah. I like it. It's like, I, I I'm glad you like it. <laughs> It's like, they haven't used this pool in 15 years. Maybe they weren't pool people. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, that was that was weak. That's some weak tea. The neighbor that knows was, something. That was some weak sauce. <laughs> if they let the neighbor get away with that, they deserve everything that's coming to them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. What is this out? Is this another January horror movie? God, I hope so. I think it is. January 5th! Happy New Year to me! Oh, God, good for you. Oh, boy, we get to kick the new year off with a... Oh, God. <laughs> with a stupid-as-fuck horror movie. <laughs> oh, the mom's Carrie Condon, all right. Mm. I wasn't paying attention to the cast okay. list for this at all. <laughs> yeah, she was in Banshees of Inna Sharon. Good movie. Uh, all right. Oh, fuck, Wyatt Russell's the husband. U.S. agent. Oh, really? Yeah, wow, okay. All right. Shows how uh, little attention I was neat. paying to the human element of this movie. <laughs> There's been two trailers, and I'm only just now realizing who the parents are. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think the parents. I think other than the U-Haul bit, the parents don't show up much in, in the tra in the first trailer. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep on referring to the first trailer as the U-Haul commercial. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because that's what the first half of the that's what the first half of the trailer felt like. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When you're right, you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. And then just yesterday, I think, as of the time of recording, we got the first actual trailer for Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire. <sighs> hmm. Kaiju fans eating tonight. It, you know you're correct, 
you are very correct. So I'm in a weird spot because I haven't, other than the first Godzilla and the first King Kong movie, I haven't seen any of the other MonsterVerse movies. Because of that, this doesn't hit me with the same effect that I hit, think it's hitting with everyone else. And that's especially after seeing Godzilla Minus One the night before. <laughs> oh, look, there are some stupidly uh, unaware quote-unquote Godzilla fans who are reacting mm-hmm. to this like the director snuck into their house and shot their dog. <laughs> there are some real no-fun-allowed right? assholes griping about this, going like, Godzilla's not some kind of fucking Avengers team-up superhero thing. It's like, bruh, Ghidorah's literal first movie, and I don't, I haven't seen all the Godzilla movies. I've seen the original, and I've seen all the MonsterVerse movies, and now Godzilla Minus One. But I do know some history, and I do know right. that the literal first movie with Ghidorah in it had Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan all teaming up, having all had movies before then, <laughs> to stop Ghidorah. Mm. <laughs> it was literally the Avengers before the Avengers, and also their giant monsters. Avengers. Wreck Your City Edition. Wait, the Avengers already do that. So... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> it's like, shit, that doesn't work. <laughs> I feel like people are so caught up on the high of Godzilla Minus One, and we'll get into that, because the movie deserves a heap ton of praise. Just a just an oh, absolute yeah. mountain of praise. But I feel like some people are now going, ah, uh, yes, this is the this is the premium Godzilla, and we should be moving away from the silly shit. It's like most of these movies are silly shit, bro. Yeah, even minus one, which is a gr- which again we'll get into more, is objectively kind of fucking ridiculous. A little bit silly, <laughs> not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think this looks like a blast. I'm happy to see Cog back. I I guess presumably this little mini ape buddy is gonna be because. There were rumors floating around before it was confirmed to be Godzilla X Kong that there was going to be a Son of Kong movie being made, and I'll—I'm pretty sure that that's what the Mini Kong is. Right. I'm gonna assume, based on the title being the New Empire, maybe it's this new orangutan-looking thing has an empire of Kongs and is trying to take over the surface world, and Godzilla and Kong both aren't having it for some reason. Hmm. Maybe because Kong has human friends and Godzilla's a racist and just likes killing Kongs. <laughs> Godzilla is racist grandpa confirmed. Yeah, just looks over at King Kong. Don't worry, though. You're one of the good ones. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what do you mean one of the good ones? <laughs> you know. No, I don't care to elaborate. Oh, God. And then they get to a fist fight. For me personally, that is some real shit. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, minus the fist fight, I suppose. <laughs> so Godzilla's got a new power-up. He's now uh, Godzilla Rosé, as the internet is calling him. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, just because of how um, his heat, heat, heat rate and all that is now pink instead of blue? Yeah, they're calling him Super Godzilla Rosé. It's a Dragon Ball Super reference. Oh, oh, then that's why I do not understand the joke, then. And Kong now has a power glove. Power glove. That one's a little... That... Does he get the Infinity Stones, too? I hope not. I don't necessarily trust Kong with the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm. I I am a little curious about the Power Glove. Some people are getting mad at Godzilla running. He's he's a gorilla. No, Godzilla. Gorillas? Oh, Godzilla, sorry. It's it can still run. Dinosaurs can run, dude. Yeah, and also (laughs) he's slowed down. And don't get me wrong, I miss Tank Boy Godzilla. Mm -hmm. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna, apparently this is like an evolved state, and if you're gonna adapt to fight a giant monkey again, 
Yeah, being a little more agile would help. Yeah, being being a little more agile does make sense there. Yeah, I like the looks of this a lot. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. Let's go to box office. Box office. We did not see the highest grossing movie this weekend domestically because it was actually Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. Oh, no. Is this a new trend? <laughs> I hope not. Nothing against these artists, but man, I'd really like it if the highest grossing movies stayed movies. Yeah, not just like the whole like reissued concerts or, or, or filmed and redistributed concerts, basically. I don't think this one's necessarily going to stay on top, though, because... Uh, it did take first place at a $21 million domestic weekend in total for $27.4 million worldwide. Okay. Second place, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, $14.5 million domestic weekend, $121.2 million domestic total, $243.9 million worldwide. In third okay. place, Godzilla Minus One. Hey, yeah, $11 million okay. domestic weekend, $34.1 million worldwide total. I believe this is the highest domestic opening weekend for a live-action Japanese movie. With a $15 million budget as well. With a $15 million budget! Impressive! As far as I understand, it's instantly already making money. Yeah, I'll, I'll gush about that more in a bit, but yeah. I think it's also the highest foreign language opening this year. Mm, okay. The, the, the highest-grossing Japanese live-action movie thing was ever, but the foreign mm. language movies for this year. But still impressive for that one. Fourth place, Trolls Band Together, $7.6 million domestic weekend, $74.8 million domestic total, $160.6 million worldwide. And in fifth place, Wish at $7.4 million domestic, $41.9 million domestic total, and $81.5 million worldwide. Oh, so Silent Night didn't even make it into the top five then. Nope. And unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get a chance to see it because of a situation that you know about, but that I'm not going to discuss because it's a long story. Right. <laughs> However, I did see Godzilla Minus One, which honestly kind of contributed to my decision because I didn't feel like rolling a dice a second time when I'd already seen a goddamn masterpiece this weekend. Yeah, no, this movie was great. <laughs> this is a phenomenal movie. I have reshuffled my it's top ten. damn good movie. And this is on it for this year. <laughs> I, I I would put this on my top ten for this year as well. Because it's... Where do I even start? It's... Like I said, I haven't seen all the Godzillas. I haven't even seen most of the Godzillas. But this is my favorite Godzilla. It is indeed a Godzilla movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a... It's a more somber return to Godzilla as a... Destructive force of nature kind of deal. Yeah. And who boy... Is he a destructive force of nature? <laughs> he is indeed. <laughs> like, goddamn. So, I guess to, to do a summary, this is set in the last days and then the immediate aftermath of World War II. A, in, in Japan proper. In Japan. A kamikaze pilot named Koichi... I forget his last name. <laughs> <laughs> no, named Koichi, no last name here. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a failed suicide bomber because he, he had a... Uh, he didn't feel like going through with it, and... Yeah, yeah, that's the long and short of it. <laughs> a Godzilla attack happens on the island where he's getting his plane checked out. He's not able to stop it, feels bad. He goes back home, and he's ostracized, and everyone who knew him kind of hates his guts because of the fact that he was supposed to be a kamikaze pilot, and he came back. Right. And he ends up kind of piecing his life together, 
making a sort of found family with a thief named Noriko and her, not her baby, but a baby she found and is taken care of named Akiko. So they're all kind of a weird makeshift, not quite a family. And then Godzilla comes back, bigger and badder than ever, and the entire country is in shambles because the government has no means of dealing with it, nobody else is helping them, so they all have to figure out, they all have to band together and figure out what to do. And I just want to say, this just fucking kicks... Bob Iger's bullshit about films having messages straight in the ass. This movie's got tons of messages. Yes, indeed. There's messages about the joys of living, of, like, you know, the fulfillment of living. It's got messages about, like, picking up even when it seems like you're at absolute rock bottom. The pointlessness of dying only for honor if you won't accomplish anything else. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of themes in this movie, and that's contributed... A lot of those themes are contributed mostly by the wonderful cast of humans in this movie. Because holy shit, this is one of the few times where the humans are actually great. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is a Godzilla movie where I'm pretty sure there's a whole solid hour of no Godzilla. And I really only noticed once. And then immediately, promptly forgot about it. Yeah. Because their story is actually engaging. Yeah, their story is engaging. It's... Emotion. It's very emotional. <laughs> it's a thing of, like, not everyone in here is perfect. Pretty much any of the humans that are present are having to deal with their own, like, internal struggle as well, or external struggle. But they all gotta band together and do what they can to fix the problem, because the government certainly isn't helping. Right. Which is another message in this movie! Hey, look at that! <laughs> what, the ineptitude of your government? <laughs> isn't, that an int- isn't that interesting that this movie has so many relatable through lines that made people resonate with it? And I mean, the fact that, you know, it was budgeted on $15 million certainly helps, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the rave reviews came from the movie actually coming from a place of sincerity and trying to communicate with people about stuff. Yeah, it came from it being fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. I I love me a good silly Godzilla throwdown. But this ain't that, and it's mm-hmm. all the more better for it. And also, how crazy is it that we've got all this Godzilla content going around, and it's just so much of it is premium. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Big G himself. I like this design a lot. I like his personality. I like there's a lot of little details that I can't really get into without spoilers, I feel like, but just... No, I, I was going to say, I was getting ready to say something and I realized, no, wait, I can't really talk about it without spoiling things either. <laughs> yeah, this is not your hero to the children, savior of Tokyo Godzilla at all. This this Godzilla yeah. is much more on the ant side of the agonist scale. <laughs> Oof. God, it's hard to talk about without... Giving a lot of shit away, too. The destruction is brutal. Oh, the destruction is... <sighs> That's another segue that I want to talk about, but it will spoil things. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you could just talk Mostly about... Mostly because it has... Well, the thing is, is that it also involves like the music as well, which mm. I guess I'll talk about that without spoiling. The soundtrack in this movie is great. It is. Of course, there's no licensed music. It's all like the original score from the movie. But the score for this movie especially the the Godzilla theme, is perfect. It's used great. It's used just perfectly every time. And they also do the thing where there are certain moments in the movie where they also up the volume of certain songs to beautiful effect. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
like it's it's one of those things where it's like well that sounds like a minor thing it's like it is a minor thing but man does it make a big difference the the the, the music in this movie is phenomenal and honestly i kind of re- want to rewatch it just for that and all um to be real yeah no i i don't have a lot to talk about without giving shit away unfortunately i'm just gonna circle back to the to the to the violence and the destruction and just say the scale of it mm-hmm. tremendous and horrifying they do a really good job oh, making you not revel yeah. in watching shit get smashed, but in feeling that sinking terror of, oh god, what are they gonna do? Yeah, no, the level of destruction gets to a point where, even as an audience member, you feel a little hopeless. Because <laughs> it's like, there, there's a particular scene of just, like, massive wanton destruction where it's like, how the fuck are they supposed to win? <laughs> There's no way they can win. It's a very not even like remotely bleak movie all the way through for the most part. Yeah, not everything's a doom and gloom, but the moments that aren't just kind of sort of underscore mm-hmm. the horror that's unleashed when Godzilla shows up, and also you know the analogy of nuclear power and what it's unleashed, and also unne- not unnecessary war, but you know prolonging a war. Right. Because Koichi struggles with. Is it appropriate to call it PTSD? I would say so. Whatever he's got. He he, he he's definitely carrying yeah. around some trauma from the war. Whatever whatever it is, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not here to diagnose. But whatever it is, this man is haunted by it. Yeah, I mean I think it's particular in particular he's haunted by his actions during the tail end of the war. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Everything like pretty much leading up to and culminating in his first time experience with Godzilla. And in a way you can feel cuz a lot of it's a lot of it's guilt and in that sense you can feel where irrational as it is this is a man who feels like if he had done more or done something different the first time we wouldn't be in this position. Not even that. He, he this is a man who you can tell he feels like Godzilla is divine retribution for his own cowardice. Right. And he's not right. That is yeah. not a healthy statement or an accurate statement, but you can feel it. You can feel it, and you can absolutely understand how we got to that point. Yeah. It's one of those things where when something terrible happens, no matter how irrational it is, your brain flickers to, oh god, what what, what, what could I have done to stop it, or how did I... F- this is my fault, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much. And watching him go through this journey is absolutely tremendous. I love this movie. Oh yeah, this movie's been... Please go see it. Go see it. <laughs> Absolutely. The long and short of it is, go see this goddamn movie. 100%. If you don't want to get spoiled on Godzilla Minus One, make sure to click away in 3, 2, 1. So apparently Godzilla in this isn't... I mean, he does get mutated, but he's not... He's not like a little lizard or something that got mutated. He was already a big fucking aquatic dinosaur thing. Yeah, like, he's a big dinosaur thing, and I think it was one of those things where I kind of struggled with it initially until I thought about it more. I kind of like that the movie just established from the get-go, no, this he's not a mystery, he is actually known, but because he's of what he is, he's only known by the locals in this one specific part of the ocean. You know, because he's literally too small, I mean, he's still fucking massive, but he's too small to go anywhere besides, like, his tiny little part of the ocean, more or less. It was so funny when that first attack happens on Odo Island, all I could think was, I mean, yeah, he's big, but... No, I was thinking, he's big, but, like, he's kind of small, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, oh, I thought you... I I was expecting you to pick up on the joke. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, no. 
What was yeah. it? Well, yeah, because it's not... No, when you said, oh, when he arrived on Ono Island, the first thought I had was, oh, no. Oh, no, I said Odo. Oh, Odo. Yeah, that's probably oh, why Oh, fair enough. Uh, fair. Between anyway. the two of us, we really fucked that one up, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> but no, I remember thinking, this is an awfully small Godzilla, isn't it? Is it, is it like a parent coming in or something? And then it turns out the Bikini Atoll nuclear bomb testing apparently mutated him, made him even bigger, gave him a healing factor, or maybe he already had the healing factor, I don't know. But it also is what mm. gave him his atomic breath. And one of the details I really like is that his atomic breath actually hurts him. When he fires it off, he has to regenerate the damage it does to him before he can do it again. And that's such a sick twist, and it factors in so well to... Mm. Yeah, he's not entirely a monster of human making, but we made him worse. Yeah, yeah, we we 100% made him worse, but at the same time, he he still gets dealt the bad hand of nuclear radiation at this, um, too. And part of why it works so well is because the atomic breath has been, or the heat ray, as as it's called according to the subtitles, has been Mm re-envisioned. It's not just a laser beam or a big stream of fire. No, when he fires that off, it's like a nuke has gone off. Yeah. And, oh god, that was so devastating. Through nuclear power, <laughs> humanity has managed to basically make a walking nuke. And uh, honestly, in a, in a funny little bit, uh, it's the Americans testing a bomb that makes that happen. And they proceed to not get involved or help out at all because they're worried about escalating tensions with the Soviets. Which prompted me to make the note, like most things that don't involve oil, it's not America's problem. <laughs> Godzilla, literally a weapon that'll surpass Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks to my biometric implants. Biometric implants? Shut the fuck up, Snake! <laughs> God, that whole exchange in MGS1 still gives me PTSD. Uh- <laughs> and then when he shows up and he starts rampaging around Ginza. Which is perfect. Like, it's, it's horrible. It's awful, but it's one of the way they set it up is amazing, because it's like, you see him just stomping through the main street of downtown Ginza. Just literally every step, you see him just crushing tiny little people. And the Godzilla theme is just out in full force. And it's just like, it was the thing of like, I am so scared, but man, I am, am I so happy right now. <laughs> and I saw an observation and I realized it was a good one that I, I want to share. I don't remember where I saw it and I, I feel bad about that, but... This Godzilla, mm-hmm. even when he's mutated, he's not that big relative to other Godzillas, and that makes the fact that he's stepping on people and crushing all these buildings worse, because this is a Godzilla who's not destroying things out of ignorance. This is a Godzilla who's going out of his way to kill people. Yeah. I mean, it, well, you know what? It's funny, because there's definitely some moments where he does things like that, and then there's other moments where I'm just like, okay, so he is still kind of a... Big stupid lizard. No, he's a big dumb lizard. He's acting mostly out of, I assume, anger. Because I I don't know if he's made the connection that people are responsible for mutating him or not. But mm-hmm. he's probably mad about intrusions into his turf and recognizes humans as being from the same species and going, well, fuck you guys then. Yeah. Yeah. At bare minimum, I can see that. But even then, he's, he's understated. Because it, it's a thing you kind of have to, like, think about that he's actively this malicious because the human characters are just so fucking good 
God, oh God, the humans in this movie are so great. There's a whole subplot about Koichi and Noriko obviously holding a torch for each other and not being able to act on it because Koichi's still dealing with his baggage to the point where even though he's basically helped raise Akiko since she was a little baby, he he, he keeps reminding her that he's not her dad, which is just tragic. And even his coworkers are like, "Dude, dick move." Yeah, it's it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing from Guardians too, where it's like you're not her father, but you're sure as fuck her daddy. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. There, near the back half of the movie, he gets the idea that he can redeem himself by doing the kamikaze mission after all, and flying a bunch of explosives into Godzilla's mouth because it's a really clever thing that the inside mm. of Godzilla is not as invulnerable as the outside. Yeah, which is also demonstrated where because partway through the movie, he gets a job as a minesweeper destroying the old mines left behind by both the Japanese Navy and the American Navy during World War II. And it's during that, because at one point, he he makes the, like, the god-tier shot of shooting a bomb that's in Godzilla's mouth, and it actually fucks up Godzilla pretty good until his healing factor comes back. Yeah. So, yeah, and at which point he learns, like, okay, so he is vulnerable from the interior. Oh, you know what's another great thing about this Godzilla movie? Mm. There's no fucking crazy-ass mystical super weapon. Usually when humanity has to fight Godzilla, it's with, like, the Oxygen Destroyer, or it's another monster. But, no, here, it's just basic fucking physics and a shit ton of Freon. And a prototype airplane. And a prototype airplane. (laughs) The whole plane thing is the only problem I had with the translation. Because the thing is, like, this is a Japanese movie, with it being in a Western audience, it's gotten an American, a very Americanized translation. One of which being a bit that bothered me immensely, because uh, this might be jumping ahead a good bit. But you mentioned how he wants to, like, fly into Godzilla's mouth with explosives to kill him. Well, it turns out that somewhere in some garage somewhere that hasn't been discovered, one of the literally two prototype Kyushu J7W Shinden fighters, which is a very late war prototype airplane made by by the Japanese Navy... Um, has been discovered to be used as the plane that Koichi's going to use to try and kill Godzilla. The movie keeps on referring to it as a fighter jet. And it's like, it's it's not a fighter jet. Stop calling it a fucking fighter jet. <laughs> it, this is a completely minor thing that only... Well, I don't think it's completely minor, but it's something that I would complain about. It's like, no, this is still a propeller-driven plane. Stop calling it a fighter jet, please. It's bugging the shit out of me. <laughs> the whole middle of the movie is great, because the I don't know if it's the government isn't doing anything, or just they can't think of anything. So all these civilians, and some of them ex-military end up coming together to put together this plan to bring down Godzilla that just involves exploiting deep-sea pressure changes to fuck up his insides. Yeah, which is completely grounded in real science. It's like, what is it called? Is it? It's not called suds, is it? How, like, if an organism rises to the surface too quickly after going deep underwater, the air bubbles in them cause them to explode. I don't know what it's called. What's it called? I want to say... Is it bad that I thought it was going to stand for Sudden Underwater Death Syndrome when I tried looking up Sud's pressure zone? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm thinking. I I think it's... Why can't I think of this? It's something that I remember, like... Oh, the Benz. That's the the one. Yeah, no, their plan was literally to give Godzilla the Ben. Except much worse, yeah. Barotrauma. That's the, I think, proper term. Mm. But no, it was... It was really interesting to watch because they surround him with these Freon containers and then bring him down to the bottom of the ocean. 
and figure if that doesn't kill him, they'll haul him back up, so all the gas decompressing will end up blowing him up. And there was a really yeah. funny moment when he hits the very bottom, because he was charging up his atomic breath before he got dragged down, and as soon as he hits the floor, it shuts off, like he's going, Nani the fuck? What am <laughs> yeah. I doing here? It's like... Yeah, it's like, these fucking wankers. <laughs> they actually did it. He was fucking... They got, they got me. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Somehow I'm already struggling to think of things. Um, I mean, kind of going back to the whole talk of themes, one of the regular things that the movie, because it got, because this was also a moment where it's like, it got you very good, and I was sad that I didn't get the same reaction out of it. One of the regular themes that's talked about in the movie is like, you know, the preservation of life and looking for the future. With Koichi, his whole thing, especially being a failed kamikaze pilot that got his friends killed at the beginning of the movie, his whole thing is that because of everything that happened to him at the beginning, he has not been able to like fully recover even after war's end. So to him, the only way he can like move on and live is to avenge his friends and to kill Godzilla, even if it kills himself. Because going back to it, part of what kickstarts his issues and what makes Godzilla exacerbate them is in that first attack on Odo Island, he was instructed to get into his plane and try and use a 20 millimeter gun to shoot Godzilla, and he didn't do it. Yeah, because he was scared shitless. <laughs> scared shitless, and it wouldn't have worked. Oh no, God no, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> it would not have worked at, in the slightest. And it's underscored by a conversation beforehand where one of the engineers basically points out that there's no point in dying for no reason. So, when that happens, all the mechanics die except for one, Tachibana, who ends up blaming Koichi for everything because he didn't do anything, because none of the mechanics are fighters, so... None of them are equipped to handle right. it, so it was up to him and he failed. So that's why, that's part of why this is haunting him as badly as it is, because he feels directly like his inaction got those people killed, even though realistically all it would have done is gotten him killed along with Yeah, when they said the line of, like, the 20 millimeter cannon will kill anything, it's like, uh, no. <laughs> no. Even if it is Baby Godzilla, I don't think it would have done shit. Nah. But yeah, his whole thing is, like, he's got to do something to kill Godzilla even if it kills him. Which is where the whole idea of sending the Shinden fighter into Godzilla's mouth strapped with explosives with him in it and killing him from the inside comes from. So he goads Tachibana out from hiding to help him um, get the Shinden restored for the plan. And, you know, it's a thing if he tells Tachibana, my plan is to kamikaze myself into Godzilla and kill him that way. Tachibana seems to be pretty much on board with it and... We see him repair the plane and all that, replace two of the machine guns with additional explosives, and show him, show uh, Koichi the way to arm the bomb as he's going in. So the whole plan transpires where the civilians surround Godzilla with the free, with the Freon, drag him down to the bottom of the ocean, which doesn't immediately kill him, so they drag him back up, and when he drags back up, Godzilla is in a weakened state at this point, not completely dead. So Koichi finally makes his moves to engage Godzilla and fly into his mouth. And then as he's um, approaching, he arms the bombs and we see the plane just go straight into Godzilla's mouth. Which is honestly kind of funny because we see Godzilla like getting ready to like charge up and do another attack. And then the plane just <laughs> flies into his mouth and he just freezes and goes like, Argh? Oh, what's this? <laughs> Boom. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> Boom. 
headshot. Like, head literally explodes. And then everyone is thinking that Koichi's dead. Because everyone was trying to tell him to stop what he was doing. Everyone's thinking Koichi's dead. And then someone finally shouts out that there's a parachute um, coming from the sky. And that it's Koichi who actually ejected from the plane. Because it turns out that one of the modifications that Tachibana made was for an ejection seat. Because they told Koichi that, no, you, you need to live. You need to keep on living. Which was kind of funny in a sense, because you were expecting the movie to just kind of shit all over its message <laughs> and have him die. I was expecting them to drop the ball. I was expecting them to go, yeah, but you need to atone for your sins that we've already established weren't actually a sin, but, like, we need a sad ending for the movie, so, uh, get fucked, yeah. Koichi. And I apologize very much for this movie <laughs> for underestimating you, because, yeah, wow. No, I thought it was going to be a thing where he was going to die, but the whole message at that point would be that, like, his death ensured that the future still had a future for Japan or something ridiculous like that. If I'm being completely honest, I kind of figured that there was going to be an ejection. And this unfortunately does kind of go into the category of I have been watching too many movies now. Because I kind of internally called it, it's like there's going to be some kind of way that he's going to live, isn't there? Especially when, even though it's such a minor thing, when all of the civilians are together talking about plans on how to destroy Godzilla and all the hardships they went through through the war, one of the things, granted this one might have been just me looking too deeply into it at the time, but one of the things mentioned was how the Japanese military would create fighter planes that don't have ejection seats, largely because the, the Japanese strategy, especially very late in the war, was a thing of like, alright, well, if you can't kill the enemy, or if you can't like kill them outright, at least take as many of them with you as you can while you go down. That was literally the thought process behind Kamikaze. Which is a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's stupid, for, it's stupid for morale, it's stupid from a practicality perspective, because every person who you waste on that is somebody who could live and come back and try it from another angle, possibly with more success. So all you're doing is whittling down your own numbers. Yeah. I could get into a whole discussion about how Japan's late war strategy and especially their like cultural um identity with it how objectively stupid it was and it made sense to only japan but because it made sense to only japan that's why nobody ever went this is fucking stupid mm. but i digress but yeah i unfortunately kind of turned the call it's like there's going to be an ejection seat isn't there when they mentioned it's like we made we kept on building planes without ejection seats and it's a thing of like you see it for a very, very, very split second, but you see just something jet up from the plane right before um, it hits Godzilla's mouth. And it's one of those things where I saw that and I was just like, I'm upset that I'm not emotionally hit by this because this is clearly a very emotional scene that's happening right now. <laughs> see, I should have known because there was that bit where Tachibana says, oh, and there's one more thing, and then it cuts away. I should have known, I should have fucking guessed that it was an ejector seat. I'm a little bit disappointed. In my defense, I'm not... Like, okay, American cinema, it's not all the same, but there are trends, and there there's are structural tropes. similarities. And especially with movies yeah. made around the same time, you can generally... You can get a feel. And I'm not saying... Movies can definitely take you for a swerve. 100%. Yeah. But, like, when you're more mm. familiar with your own country's cinematic tendencies you have a better idea i'm not overly familiar with a lot of japanese cinema especially modern right. so in this case i'm like okay what how what what do they think has the most emotional impact or are they going for the most logical impact or 
I don't know how to read this in the sense of I don't know how to predict what they're going for. Ergo, mm-hmm. and also I'm not familiar with the filmmaker, so like I don't know how good they are at executing the intent that they have. So <laughs> it's a case of yeah, it in trying to in trying to guess where it was going. I kind of I kind of set myself up because I was just like, okay, I f- I figured this, and yeah, it's part of why one twist at the end that actually the setup for which we haven't even discussed yet didn't really bug me that much when in another movie it would have. <laughs> That's true. I think I know what you're talking about, and it was a thing of like, no, no, this actually bothers me. There's no way this should be happening. Yeah, because during the attack on Ginza, Ginza? I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's supposed to be Ginza. Ginza, okay. Uh, apologies, I don't, I, I am not great with Japanese. I'm not great with Same. most languages that aren't English, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, during the attack on Ginza, there's a bit where Noriko pushes... Koichi into an alleyway as Godzilla is charging up his atomic breath, I think, and the yeah. backlash from that blasts her the fuck away. And that's around, like, yeah. the midpoint of the movie, at which point the movie keeps treating her as dead. And mm-hmm. I should have guessed earlier than I did that she was alive. Right. And it, it, it should bother me, but the fact that he lived just because she pushed him into an alleyway told me, okay, this isn't that ridiculous, because if it was that definitely, immediately fatal, with all the buildings that it took down, that wouldn't have saved him. Yeah, I think that was that was something I picked up on, too, just because it was one of those things where it's like, because we had just seen this Godzilla, like, destroying all the buildings and trampling a whole bunch of people, and I know it was under duress and all that, but she just pushed Koichi into an alleyway. It's like, you pushed him between two buildings, he's fucking dead. <laughs> he's still dead. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, oh, oh, I guess he's not. Well, she's certainly fucked up. Like, she's, there's there's no way, she's not going to be in minus two. Um, so minus then... two? <laughs> <laughs> going the wrong way i i know what i'm doing <laughs> just like the creators of these chun li actually um spy family crossover i know what yep, i'm doing you know what you're doing <laughs> it turns out noriko actually did survive the attack on ginza injured still fucked up yeah she got fucked up by that yeah like her eyes covered and from what i gathered it looks like she probably has at least some dealing with some d- effect of radiation sickness yeah but it's still a thing of still a thing of like you 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 should be dead (laughs) you should be dead but since koichi's not dead and also the man deserves some happiness i'm okay with it and i'll allow it yeah fair i will i will give you that i will definitely give you that it was a good like happy ending and all in that aspect this this movie's pretty good (laughs) i know there's more things that i'm forgetting about but I, 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 I do actually want to watch this again. Yeah, yeah. I did, there's one last thing I got, and it's one of my favorite lines that I actually wrote down, and it's when, what's, Noda, I think was his name, the scientist who's kind of the technician yeah, who's yeah. spearheading the plan on how to kill Godzilla, is expressing yeah. concerns that if it doesn't work, I, all these people just came here to get killed by the monster, and... The, I think it was the captain of, of the boat that they were all on, just says, doing mm. nothing won't cause a miracle either. And I like that True. a lot, and that stuck with me. Because it's like, 
Yeah, when the only option is Annihilation, it's worth it to try. Yeah, absolutely. And there, I think, is the important distinction between putting your life on the line for something important and throwing it away for nothing. Right. And this movie threads the needle on that so fucking well! <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. It does. So anyways, I think that about wraps that up. Right. Next week, uh, I forgot to actually check and see what's coming out. Fuck. Good job. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, that's a, hmm. that's a faux pas on my part. Editing this is going to be fun. Oh, boy. In any case, uh, yeah, we can figure it out later, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we can figure it out later on. Yeah. For the time being, thanks so much for listening to everybody. I already did my plug in the middle. But uh, if you don't feel like like, commenting or subscribing, share it around, because it helps a lot. Oh, yes. I want to keep those subs going up, so uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't mind. <laughs> but even if you do, thanks for listening anyways, because that's also thanks, appreciated. Thanks again, y'all. Yeah. This has been Under the Indeed. Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.